I am South African was born to tell South Africa stories of everyday heroes doing extraordinary things in these really extraordinary times. We've been through exceptional times as a country and in the last 26 years of democracy we've seen a nation that no matter its challenges knows how to rise above and help each other even when the negatives are stacked against us. COVID-19 is no exception and has created yet another crisis as we join the world in fighting this global pandemic. I am here to tell South Africa stories, the stories of heroism, patriotism, finding the saviors among us and spotlighting those who don't wait for permission to make a change for good. Welcome to the Happiness Agenda with me, Yuveka. Every week I'll be bringing you a story that has warmed my heart and made an impact on South Africa. Hi friends, as you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and we couldn't pass up the opportunity to bring you the wonderfully inspirational stories of some amazing survivors, one of them being Jo Pole and you'll understand her story when you hear the details from her herself. I mean, not only is she a breast cancer survivor, she's a big chief, she's a boss lady as well. She has four children. I mean, that in itself is is a major job. So Jo Pole Thank you so much for taking the time and for being willing to share your story. Hi there. Uh thank you so much Yvikana. I think I've been listening to your happiness episodes and we need to tell more good news stories. So it's a privilege to be asked to share mine and I hope it does touch a few people. So thank you for that. Good to be uh, on board. Well, oh, you're welcome Joe. Well, to get to the inspirational parts, unfortunately we have to start at the painful parts, right? So it's that kind of journey. Tell us about your journey. When were you diagnosed with breast cancer and what did they tell you? Um so in my case we actually was we'd just been married for a couple of years. We decided to start a family and off the back of that thought well let's just test to see if everything was working especially I think in this day and age and we'd found a lump um Mark always says we were social surfing so I remember going into the gynae and saying this is what's happened um and they sent me to a radiologist I was really young um in my late 20s and they just wanted to test and see everything was potentially okay and going into the radio you know radiology room and going for a mammogram etc I remember thinking out loud that I am the youngest person here by far so this is just a formality versus mm. anything mm. else and my husband happened to be in the area popped past and then they had just done the scans did a biopsy I really started to realize this is not quite normal and then gathered and when your doctor start to gather with your family members you realize yeah. something's yeah. definitely you know not going your way and we signed up to go see um Carol Ben who was a breast cancer specialist on the Monday this was a Friday afternoon it was month end i remember clearly thinking i don't actually have time for this i'd gone in my lunch hour and yeah. it wasn't going to be okay necessarily i went back to work it was quite surreal because um i had my life planned out i knew what was happening and when i'm an a type i like to help people not be helped and this sort of didn't fit in so i think i was in a sense of denial given that no one can confirm anything till monday uh-huh. um my husband read more books than he's ever read that weekend we went to carolbain on the monday me still in denial to be frank i'd finished my thing done my pieces i am very much um focused on getting the job done and he arrived with a book full of posted notes and questions and it was Gosh. really interesting it, it was after hours and i thought I, i had bags packed thinking do this pick operation if you need to tell me what's happening what next and She started with you know you don't have flu 
And I think mm. that took the wind out of my sails because it was quite real. I also knew I didn't know much about cancer. Um, I had friends that were pregnant, so I did ask if I was radioactive. I practically knew nothing, clearly. Um, could I be near them? <laughs> what does it mean? When's chemotherapy? How does it work? And, you know, it, it was a bit of breathe, slow your roll, take a step back. Your life will be forever changed. Um, and they don't know all the answers at the outset. We can yeah. you know, scan, scan a layer of the land, but it depends on how you react to different processes. And I think the reality still didn't quite sink in. I had told no one. Um, my husband had told my closest friends and family. Uh, one, you know, some were doctors, so they had varying opinions. My family rallied. And then I still was going through that this will be fine. What happens in three years from now or two years from now? Mm, mm. And the reality is actually you have to take the journey day by day. And that was probably well, difficult for me, the most difficult. But Joe, what, what did you actually have to have done? What uh, what was the procedure for you at the time? So in my my journey, the initial piece, I thought, well, I'm going to have a mastectomy. That's the quickest, easiest, over and done. Mm -hmm. I think Mark said, can you center her one boob that's left for me to play with? <laughs> oh, what a man, I remember, what a man. I remember looking at him going, what? Like, okay. And he laughed. Like, I think, you know, we, we survive a crisis through laughter. Yeah. And then she said, no. So first we have to go back and think about this. It's chemotherapy. Um, and I went through what is initially going to be six sessions of intense chemotherapy, turned out to be 18. Um, and I think it depends both wow. on how you react. But if they told me everything, I'm not so sure I would have made it because you, you need the many celebrations yeah. and milestones as you go. Um, after that, I then had to go for, um, I, I went for, radio, uh, uh, um, I then had, then had an operation to remove the balance of the tumor that had shrunk um, incredibly off the back of the chemotherapy yeah. and then still had to go and have, you know, from a, from a radiology perspective, had to make sure that I'd gone every day to nuke the area. So I have tattoos as a consequence of my cancer. I've got dots so that I can be lined up on that machine. And then that was for six weeks, every single day for 15 minutes. Yeah. And then I was on medication for five years and it's been an interesting journey because I thought my hair would fall out over time and yeah. to worry. And I had long, Hair. I think I suffered as a child from that unibrow syndrome. So I literally was very hairy. And not, so I had beautiful eyebrows by the time I went into this, not to worry, and long curly hair. Cut my hair into a bob. And after my third chemo session, it fell out in chunks. And I remember sitting Gosh. on the bathroom floor crying and thinking, like, what do I do now? And my family were really good. And my friends, they shaved their hair. We went to go pick oh, wow. a wig. While I still had the same color hair, um, her name was Alicia. Yeah. We named her. Oh, your wife's name was Alicia. Okay, yeah, of course she had a name. So closest my husband's got to a threesome, right? And there's me, Alicia, and our wigs. And we even asked her, like, did he have you know meaty chops with sideburns? A very good friend of mine who lost her father to cancer. Um, Nixon Pierre came with us, so it was really an experience. And she's lots of my stories. Actually, I remember. Um, taking stuff out of the oven for the first time and melting in the front of my fringe, going, oh, geez, didn't know that had happened. Oh, there goes Alicia. You know, oh, there goes Alicia. Slammed <laughs> no. her in the car door once when I got out and walked away. And oh, my goodness. Was no. arm, you know? Um, <laughs> so there were lots, there was laughter between lots of real tears. Yes. You know, my dad shaved his head, uh, my husband, oh, my brother, amazing. my friends. 
um, we're not built for bald heads. And I think people that are bald are especially good looking because I did, I looked like my mom had dropped me a few times. I did about that. Um, but at least you're always ready to go. If you wanted to go out, you don't like, oh, wait, oh, I've got to do my hair. You don't worry right? about your hair. I, I learned <laughs> to draw. Yeah. <laughs> and your eyebrows. I learned to draw my eyebrows on. Um, so it was that was interesting, but it also made it very real and very painful because yeah, people yeah. people looked at you differently, right? Your, my skin color became a little bit sallow; it was almost see through at some point, um, yeah. and that was probably the hardest thing. Children look at you with curiosity, like, "Are you okay? What's wrong?" I remember yeah, after yeah. my mastectomy, I had a, a box because I had a drain, and one little boy said, "Are you wee in that?" While I was shopping, I was like, "Oh no, how many adults <laughs> must think this is a colostomy bag?" Um, oh no, but. But at the same time, you know, people look at you with pity. They don't know what to say. And, and I'm just going to say, I mean, surely, and I'm sure that that pity phase was the thing that probably was one of the things that irritated you the most. It irritates you and it, it hits home quite a bit because you yeah. realize that empathy when you're young is genuine. Like you are intrigued, you want to hug someone. And when you're older, there's a sense of self and like, what if that was me? And, and I think it was quite interesting to be on the other side of that because you can see pity in someone's eyes. And that for me, yeah. it wasn't frustrating. It made me sad. Like I wanted to not sad. be in a position mm -hmm. where people were, were sorry for me, so to speak, because I was privileged. I was responding well to chemotherapy. I was in a room. I remember my first chemotherapy session, so real. I remember going in and I came with my laptop. I'm all good to go. And all of a sudden I've got dips and needles. I couldn't really type. And the food trolley comes in in the middle of this. And um, they say, what would you like to eat? Oh. And someone puts their hand up and says, well, what will kill me fastest? And I was like horrified. Someone else came in for masks. And the nurse said, you know, you're going to die soon. Why do you want masks? So, well, we've got leukemia. It's not great. And I think my husband and I, like, we went to the nurse and said, this is like, quite cruel. And she said, you know what, my dear, you need to be here for a while. You'll get to know yeah. these, the team around the table. And some people will not be here in every session because you're not all going to make it. Yeah. And I think that reality that this is, you don't choose to live or die. You choose how you live. And I learned that throughout my journey that it's That's how amazing. I live that I got to choose. I, I can't necessarily choose that. I will react well. I'm yeah. buying myself time and I must use it wisely. And it's amazing. The nurses that helped me and I've been in remission for more than 12, more than 10 years now, nearly 12. Wow, well um, done. Will recognize me. If they see me in a shopping center, it's unbelievable. They know who you are. When I, I graduated to annual assessments this year, all the doctors know who you are. Nurses that take your blood, they, the, the level of kindness, care and genuine concern and that mm. every patient is etched on their heart. Mm. I lived that. I felt that it's real. But, and, and, and that's the thing, I suppose, that once something like this uh, happens to you, once you get something like breast cancer or any other type of cancer, a lot of people see that as a death sentence immediately. Yes. Uh, many, many minds will go to the worst. But there are those that stay positive. It sounds like you did. It sounds like you're one of those guys who sounds to me like this thing was never going to beat you. And what would you say is it with the new that made it what, that way for you? So what's interesting is my gran, um, and she's recently passed away, and she was an amazing figure in my life she had breast cancer and she had it at a time where you never spoke about it no one spoke yes. about the big c it was in hushed tones and what was so interesting is she suffered through this in her own journey she was an amazing mother friend grandmother great grandmother and this was our journey together she got to actually experience what it was like not to be ashamed of having cancer um because i was in a completely different era she went with me we went to an estee lauder feel look good 
uh, look better, feel better workshop to learn how to do our makeup and draw our eyebrows because her hair also never came back properly and stuff. And we learned so much through bosom buddies. She was my bosom buddy and she'd already Uh been a survivor for 27 years. And her level of optimism with the support group we had and the fact that she had to keep herself going was such an important trigger for me because I didn't face this alone. I had so much support and actually there was light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that, you know, people wanted to help make things better. And so I think the level of optimism was plugged into her. It was a journey I'm privileged to have gone through with her. And we laughed about lots, like stuffing socks in our bra because yeah, I look like I've yeah, got one flat yeah. tire and so does she, you know, <laughs> keeping your arms up because your lymph nodes don't work. And we actually yeah. worked out that we probably laughed more than we cried in the That's process. Um, and being, being optimism, I think hope fuels curiosity, curiosity fueled optimism. And I'm generally the glass is half full. Um, but I do need to be reminded that I'm privileged to be here to even tell the story. And I, I yeah. think every time we, we did a milestone, I had a very good friend in America when we were at varsity and um, her mother had passed away of cancer. So my, the, the difficult um, situations when I had to tell friends were those who had lived through this and lost someone. And Charles sent me every single month, every time I'd gone to chemo, she sent me a feel better parcel from America. Oh, and I remember man. lighting yeah. up. Like I have a feel better bear and a blue day book. And oh, that's I, amazing. I, I yeah. learned through the process. Someone always said to me, what should I do to help? And I said, actually, don't ask. Just do. Deliver yeah. dinner. Yeah. Arrive and visit. Because you, you don't know. You don't. And generally, don't I would rather help you. So I tell you I'm fine. That would be my response. Oh. And actually, my family probably bore the brunt of when I wasn't fine. Like when you wake up at 2 a.m. and you're crying, you think, what if I die? Or what if, in that case, what if I never have children? We didn't have kids yet. Um, and so uh, they lived the real piece of that. But optimism is what kept us going. Optimism From is, everybody, I suppose. From yeah, everybody. Not, not just yeah. come within yourself. Well, Joe, you went on to have four children. I mean, after all of this. Take us through that journey because uh, my understanding is you were told that, well, when, when you did have your um your first child you were told that you shouldn't try for a second but that didn't stop you right so we've got four so our story is interesting so we didn't think we'd have any my um, (laughs) husband um specifically um we thought we were going to be in a situation where this was us right and i was a sports model in Mm. in, for all intents and purposes and for me it was Mm. really important to not be that like children was always part or were always part of my life's dream and my husband and I thought, well, there's so many children that could be helped. So actually, our first two children, we adopted. Um, we met wow. them when they were six. We are really privileged. They found us. We found them. I think um, God pulled us together, oh, to be frank. And um, they made me a mom. And it was really interesting because it changed my perspective of what made hmm. your parent, not necessarily carrying a child, all of those component parts. It helped us realize you know, that anyone can biologically potentially have the opportunity to have a child. And if you can't, there were so many children that needed to be helped. So Ali and Chris came into our lives. Um, they were an incredible learning curve um, given their history and our history. And together we've been a blessing. And as things happen, you know, a year later, I then fell pregnant. I was still on tamoxifen. So uh, um, my husband has some serious swimmers and she is a proper miracle baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olympic swimmers. You would, you would never be able to have, yeah, exactly. Um, we, she should have never been allowed to be created, so to speak. Um, and because I have estrogen receptive cancer, they recommended that I abort her 
And oh, no. I remember sitting there saying, she's a gift. It's a gift I will never turn away from. And we are blessed because we have these two beautiful souls that came into our lives. And now we have a third. And I remember the doctors gathering my husband around and my family and my mom and said, you need to, like, she needs to sign up to this because you might lose her. And, you know, my husband saying, we now have two children and what if you've gone, like, I'm a single parent. And so as a consequence, I disagreed with everyone. I said, I'm not doing this. They agree that I could disagree if my life was in danger, that we would then take a course of action. So I was privileged enough to go for a scan every month with a gynecologist who's an oncology specialist, then a radiologist and see my oncologist. So I had three very amazing people looking wow. after me yeah. and I got to see pictures of my baby all the time. Um, Wonderful. I did go into early labor. I was in hospital over Christmas. Um, she tried to, to fight her way out at 26 weeks, but managed to stay in. And then we had Michaela and she was like the glue that, bonded our two oldest boys and ourselves because Beautiful. she it was then that you were mom because we still called each other mom and, you know mark and joe and the boys used to go for christmas mm, yes. we call you mom and dad so very different and then i was on maternity <laughs> leave and fell pregnant with my fourth complete miracle baby um Imagine point, my oncologist said i've survived two um traumatic events which would have put me back into a potentially risk state at risk status and having had Ethan, I was declared in full remission because I didn't go back into, and I'm very privileged, I didn't have oh, a relapse. Um, there was another oh. mom with me that wasn't as lucky and her baby oh. did survive, her baby did, and she didn't. So oh, I, very, I definitely count my blessings and I hug my children, especially hard because they are a gift. Any child is a gift, but I'm so oh. conscious of being alive to live it with them. Um, and so, yeah, so we have four children. I am officially a sports model now, not due to cure or cancer, <laughs> but because of self-preservation. Remember the doctor said, you cannot push yeah, it. You're, 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 you're in ATAP, <laughs> but you can't push it further. No, and so yeah. so we are we are a blessed good news story in that regard. I still go for my tests. And when I look up at the roof in a hospital, all hospitals have those square blocks, you know, yes, that, yes. that sense of what if... Um, is very real um, and I'm really conscious of that and in those scenarios very scared actually. Oh well Joe you know and I think you might be scared but you're so so inspirational to so many people I mean that story and and for you to have that sense of humor about all of this I you know I suppose a lot of people look back and look back on it with tears but to look back on it with a sense of humor and, and the laughs you've given me today I just as a parting <laughs> shot Joe for anybody who you know what would you say if you had to sit across from somebody who's just been given this news like you were years ago and sees this path ahead that just seems impossible to travel? What would you say to them right now? That nobody's an island. I think we're wired for struggle, but we're wired for connection. And so the one thing I would say is that lean on people because actually everyone needs to feel needed. And that was one of my biggest lessons is vulnerability throughout this. Um, I had to really learn to allow people to help me, to lean on them, and to allow my friends and family to be good friends and family and be there for me. So you don't have to go it alone. And I think that is my biggest lesson out there is it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to say, I can't do this on my own. Um, we do lots of counseling still. And it's one of the pieces I'm privileged to be able to like, put my hand out and my arms out and say, let me help you. 
because it works in swings and balances, your time will come when you get to help someone else. Join us again next Friday to find out who's on the happiness agenda. Till then, remember, a little kindness goes a long way. Happy Friday, friends.